3: And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 8th, 2020, episode 2,514.
1: Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Woo-hoo! We're back! Once a month, <laughs> Karen Chatton stops by and we gab all things endurance and trail and camping with your horse and all the things that go along with it. Welcome back, Karen. Good morning. How are you surviving out there in Gardnerville, Nevada?
3: Well, you know, it would be nice if we had, like, sky and sun and normal conditions, but unfortunately we've had a lot of fires and all the smoke is coming and fills the Valley. So we've been in a unhealthy range of air quality for the last week or so or more. And, um, so unfortunately we're kind of dealing with, you know, that with trying to do anything outdoors. So, You know, because COVID
1: wasn't enough. (laughs) No. So you not only have viral air, you also have smoke-filled air. Well, maybe the smoke will kill the virus. Who knows? If only
3: or vice versa, well, probably wouldn't work the other way around. But um, yeah, and and unfortunately, you know, I guess the only thing we do have to be thankful for is that we aren't in the path of a fire. Because I know some of these fires in California right now are exploding and there's ongoing evacuations and a lot of devastation in the wake of these fires, which is really too bad. So Now,
1: what corner of Nevada is Gardnerville in? Do you know where Lake Tahoe is? Well, it's north, southeast, or west. It's
3: northwest. Okay. Nevada.
1: Now, about on average, um, how often, like, a yearly thing or every other year or several times a year does do the fires cause air quality issues for you guys in that part of the state?
3: It, you know, some years we haven't really had an issue. And then we've had other years where... Yeah, the smoke just fills the valley, and you end up with a layer of ash all over everything. Um, You know, I don't really remember having air quality issues in September before. It's usually earlier in the summer. Ah,
1: yeah. 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 Things are good and dry and volatile, yeah.
3: Right. Things are really dry right now. And we're expecting this big uh, cold front to come through. I guess the Northwest right now is experiencing really high winds and extreme fire danger. And so we're going from like triple digits in the last week. Today is only supposed to get up to 72,
1: mm-hmm. well, that's, which is that's nice. nice. And,
3: yeah. and so hopefully the winds are going to probably blow the smoke out, but they'll blow new smoke in. <laughs> <laughs> and and increase the fire danger so yeah. you know if it's so, not one thing it's another It's another
1: so you guys live in a part of the country that wildfires are a significant threat for much of the year do you tend do you with your rig do you keep it set up so that you can fly the heck out of there at a moment's notice and get evacuated is that something you we, you habitually yeah, do yeah
3: we could, you know, the first thing I would do if I knew I had to load up and get out of here is I'd go start, you know, filling water. Um, I normally keep horse feed in the trailer, um, you know, and my tack mostly lives in the trailer. Of course, I have more tack than can fit in the trailer. Don't tell anybody that.
1: <laughs> my We're not going to talk um, about that. We're not judging. Exactly
3: so, um, but, you know, and... Of course inside the living quarters there's always you know food cases of water clothes you know that sort of thing see, so if we right have there. to load up and go we'll right. grab what we need because you know we've learned over the years to be prepared with what we need to grab and go and we could be out of here you know within a half an hour mm-hmm. with see, right everybody
1: there, that tells everybody in the equestrian universe you don't need to unload your trailer and clean it out. Just clean the poop <laughs> out, leave the clean bedding behind and, and leave a percentage of the stuff in there because it will serve you well if you have to evacuate. I'm I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> exactly. I know. So, yeah, you need to be prepared and to
3: be able to get out if you need to. Um, and that's one of the things I'm... I, got a list of all these things I've been working on Mm -hmm. with the new horse. Yes. Well,
1: let's, let's give a little background for people who haven't uh, been keeping up to speed with, with Apollo, the new COVID horse, because like many horse folks, you got a COVID horse. So give us a quick introduction of Apollo.
3: Exactly. Okay. Apollo, he's 11 years old. He's an Anglo Arab and he's sleeping gray because what does Karen get? Uh, And he's over 15, one or two. So he's, for me, because I'm not even that tall. <laughs> so I end up always getting tall horses and gray horses. So I don't, I don't know. For
1: non-Arabian and or thoroughbred fans, Anglo-Arab indicates that he is part Arabian and part thoroughbred. Is that right? Exactly. There we go. Exactly. And he, and he came to you as an adult horse with some endurance experience but not very much. He does he has but he
3: hasn't really done anything for the last five years.
1: That's quite a vacation.
3: So we're basically starting you know over with the basics groundwork just carefully proceeding because we have all the time now. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> you can't be going to competitions. so there and you go. <laughs> especially now with the air quality and stuff I can't really be doing a whole lot. So we're taking it easy. I mean, I'm starting basically from scratch, treating him like a brand new green horse cuz I really don't know what he's done or hasn't done or how he handles things. You know, like for example, just walking him down the street, uh he saw a couple of goats and kind of had a little meltdown. Oh, <laughs> goat phobia. Oh. And then at the same time as the goats on the other side of the street, a dog came running up through the fence, surprised, you know, barking at him. So he didn't know which way to spin. So <laughs> he was No way out! Well, he was a multi-directional tornado going,
4: bah!
3: you know, sort of like a kite in a windy day and you're yeah. hanging on. Yeah,
1: been there. <laughs>
3: so uh, we've got him past the goats. He's dealing with the goats just fine. And, you know, so we're working on things, you know, we're working on all sorts of things and so this time's you know right now it's giving us the time where I can go out every day and do 15 different little things with Mm them so uh, you know one of the important things to me anyway is I need a horse that will move over and stand next to things for me to mount because I'm vertically challenged Mm -hmm. and because he's You know, fairly tall for me. My stirrup is sort of like at eye level. Oh no! (laughs) I mean, it's you know, to be fair, it's more like chin level. So I still have to, you know, a lot. Yeah, it is. And so I, I need a horse that can move over and stand next to things, whether it's a mounting block, a rock, a log, a stump, a water trough, whatever. And so I've been working with him, and I've taught him to move. Because uh, before I would bring him over to something I wanted to stand on to mount, and he would turn and face me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, <and> that's <laughs> what they do. You walk them over to the the item at hand, and then as soon as you go over and stand on the item, they they move their haunting exactly. away and look right at you. you go hi, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now I've
3: started working with him, and I've taught him to move his butt over towards any item or object, and then parallel park, basically, mm-hmm. and stand, stand still, and he's doing really good, uh, now I've got him to the point where I just have to kind of kiss at him or mm-hmm. cluck, and he moves over, and he stands still, and he's, uh, he he's a fast learner, mm-hmm. he's done really well with that, so I've got him, you know, learning how to position himself and stand still for me to mount. I've got him um, if fitted and used to using hoof boots. I've got him using hind ankle boots because he has gotten a couple of
1: dings. Uh, are, you a, him, are you allowed to use ankle boots in competition now? Because I know the, the, the rules have changed over the decades as to whether or not you're allowed to use protective boots on their legs.
3: Oh, sure. For endurance, yes. For endurance, so you can. You can. Use, okay. Yeah, it's pretty open to anything. You can use, you know, ankle boots, splint boots, you know, whatever. But you know, you got to get the horse used to him because you don't want to be on an endurance ride.
1: You cross a creek and they get wet, and then they sink down
3: (laughs) or something. Well, yeah, the horse
1: gets used to it. You have to make sure they fit really well. You don't want to use a a pair that are brand new that you've never used before because unlike other sports, they're wearing them and working for hours and hours hours and hours. So if if any item that you put on that horse, any piece of tack you put on that horse doesn't fit perfectly, it's going to leave a rub, and the judges don't like that. The judges don't like that at all.
3: Oh well, no! You yeah, you don't want to do that to your horse, you know. Either, and so he's also gotten used to wearing a crupper, <laughs> you know,
1: which can always that be might have been an adventure.
3: <laughs> if, exactly. So, because I know this horse can really move out, and the last thing you need is for the crupper to engage when you're going down a hill. Like our GPS, a couple weeks ago, we did a ride, and it showed we went down a twenty-three percent grade Ooh. downhill wow. and that's pretty steep so you know they're getting their butts really up underneath them so when they do that if a crupper engages uh, you might be going down that hill a lot faster a lot than best- you want. Yeah.
1: man from snowy river here you come <laughs> exactly. So, exactly
3: so i you know I, I took it the careful way the covid way where we uh you know, introduced it to him slowly and let him use it uh, three or four times before I actually got on him mm-hmm. while he had it on. So we're, you know, we're proceeding. We're doing a whole bunch of different things. You know, like I'll, I, I've gotten him used to, I've got a gallon pump sprayer. So I'm getting him used to being fly sprayed with that, uh, y- you know, getting him used to all the different tack items Uh, I started out walking him up and down the street before I started riding him. Uh, After he's worked, I'm getting him used to the sweet water uh, and wet mashes.
1: Uh, That That was probably one he took to pretty quickly.
3: Yeah. He likes that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any kind of
3: food, anything like that. You know, he's getting used to the motorcycles and the bicycles and the other off-road vehicles. I've been practicing putting him in and out of the trailer. Now, stop, and stop
1: there. How did you work mm-hmm. with him with kids and bicycles? Because that's something that is common with, I would say, 80% of people who have horses also have to deal with kids and bicycles
3: and, and bicycles can be, especially with the kids, because the kids are totally unaware. Cause yes. I guarantee you, most of them don't have parents, you, you know, that have taken the time to say, Hey, if you, you know, come up on a horse, you know, this is what you need to do. They don't have any of that kind of background unless right. they're, they, they're you know fortunate enough to be from a horse family which a lot of them aren't so they don't really know so the best thing you can do is get um a friend a willing friend or spouse or somebody that you can take your horse you know and hand walk them and then have your friend or friends ride their bicycles back and forth and around them and start getting them used to that and then um you know, in my case, we did that a little bit. And then fortunately, when we did, we had this like little swarm of kids, little, it was sort of like a, I don't know, a herd of them. <laughs> there was like <laughs> six or seven that little a swarm. Kids.
1: I think a swarm is an accurate
3: swarm. description. Yeah. And they're coming down the street and I'm on Apollo. And fortunately, we had Chief with us. Um, with my junior and of course Chief's like no big he, nothing you know he's only afraid of his shadow but nothing else nothing else so,
1: fair yeah so
3: fortunately if Chief not afraid of it Apollo seems to take his lead and go oh it's not a big deal so we just sort of stopped and stood and let the horses watch the swarm of kids riding their bikes all over around the horses at the intersection we were at and he handled it really well but he had already been you know somewhat Mm -hmm. exposed because like I said it's COVID time so we're exposing you know the new horse to as many things as possible like last week when we took him out the neighbor was having the tree service cut down one of her big trees so
1: oh that could be dicey especially when the limbs come down yeah yeah the chainsaws going -er 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 -er
3: -er near and then crunch here comes a big branch or whatever so uh he's been getting exposed to all sorts of stuff cool which is which is really kind of cool it's
1: it's fun to live through that adventure because we've all lived through those same adventures in our own ways and for some of us who haven't for example maybe you didn't go through a particular adventure it's fun to hear about how other dealt other people dealt with it and we're going to talk a little right. bit more about Apollo and your Apollo adventures a little bit later in the show but it is time for our endurance tip and it's it's a uh, it's a a revisit of a tip you've done before but we get so many requests you thought it would we be do. smart to do it again
3: <laughs> exactly i'm i get requests all the time for my sweet water recipe which is something that has been used on endurance rides by endurance riders for decades so it's not something that's new by any means but if you haven't used it or utilized it um it's something that's important to know and you know a lot of people hear it and they remember it but they don't always remember exactly what it is or how to make it and that's why we get so many requests so my sweet water and and, just so you know, basically, it's a way to help your horse stay hydrated, whether they're doing an endurance ride or they're dealing with a heat wave or maybe it's evacuations because of a fire or other natural disaster. Just it's um, it's something good to know. So my sweet water recipe is I usually take about two to four cups or maybe half of one of those square feed scoops yep. of stabilized rice bran. And you don't necessarily have to have stabilized rice bran. You can use wheat bran, or you can also use ground flax, which I see that's what Glenn likes.
1: Yeah, scooter. we um, use that for scooter, scooter. because... The rice uh-huh. bran can be very sweet, and he's a pony we'd like to avoid sugar with. Sure. And sure. he likes the taste of it because it's something he gets in his breakfast. So it uh-huh. that works pretty good. And for tiny little pony, we only have to put a, you know, half a cup of there. You there go. He's See, so you go. Because he's little.
3: Exactly. So you can customize it for your individual horse. So you add that in with one or two ounces of salt or electrolytes. You can use plain salt, um I have found with my horses, their favorite is like that Redmond red salt. They really like that or an electrolyte mix. And then you add water anywhere from about two to five gallons of water. You stir it up and then offer it to them. I usually offer it after I've worked them so that they view it as kind of a treat or a reward. So I don't give it to them like all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that way they think, oh, this is really cool you know and then they just slurp it down and then when they get to the bottom there's like this slurry left and some horses like that part and others don't really leave care the slurry for
1: behind it. yeah they want the top isn't that funny how yeah. some some of them like to eat the cereal and some of them like to drink the milk that the cereal made sweet <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. and then you know and if the weather is um
3: you know really you're having some sort of weird weather change or or it's freezing, you know, it's the middle of winter, you can use warm water or bring hot water
1: out. I and never make thought of that. That's brilliant because a lot of horses, it, it, they'll yeah, kind of go like off hot, their water a little bit when the weather's cold. And this is a great way exactly. to get them drinking.
3: It does. And it helps. And, you know, and they like it. And you can experiment. You can use, you know, different types of whatever you've got. Mm. You know, like yeah. we were saying, the flax or different types of bran or different types of pelleted feeds, just, you know, whatever your yeah. horse likes.
1: Nigel's preference is, now I only give him tiny quantities at a time because he will, on a good day, he'll drink a gallon of water at a rock. Uh-huh. That's that's a lot for him. So I make oh. about a gallon and I adjust the amount of rice bran accordingly. It's about a maybe a cup. But for him, what works really well is I put alfalfa pellets in it. About okay, uh, uh-huh. a cup or two of alfalfa pellets, and I put it in a a big feed pan shape. Uh-huh. So when he puts his face in there, he can feel the pellets at the bottom with his little lips, and he knows they're down there. Uh huh. So he drinks through the water, so he can get to the pellets. Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> they're all different with how they want to do it. Yeah, they're all. They, each one has a their own style scooter. Scooter seems to enjoy the taste of the water in addition because he just sticks his head in there and he's a tiny pony. Uh He's 13 hands. I think if I put it five gallons, I think he would drink all five gallons in one stretch.
3: Oh, gosh. I have measured how much my horses have drank at a ride. You know, when I give the sweet water, it also then encourages them to drink more of the regular water. And that's the other thing that's important to know. If you're offering sweet water, you need to also offer just plain regular water
2: as well.
1: Right. And And, and I guess the electrolytes not only help to replenish electrolytes, but if he, if you're one of those, if he's a horse that's lost some electrolytes, it it affects his. Right. It helps them. Desire. Yeah. Yes. And it helps them to recover faster
3: because then now they're stimulated to drink even more, but I have measured my horses have drank in like 17 gallons of water the day before a ride. And then, I mean, then they're, pretty much peeing quite a bit, but at least they start
1: the ride very
3: well hydrated.
1: Yeah. yeah. Which and is that's, important. That's key, especially when you have, hello, Colorado, by the way, um, weather changes. This can be really useful uh-huh. for, Right. Uh, whether it's hot or cold, because again, colic cases always go up when the weather changes. And one of the common reasons horses colic is they forget to drink. Because either the weather changes and they're going, oh, I'm worried about the weather. I'm not going to get a drink or the weather, the the water is colder or hotter or whatever. And if you, like you said, use it kind of as a treat every so often. So it's something that the horse is familiar with. Oh, right. weather changed. Give them some sweet water and they enjoy it too. So that's just a a bonus.
3: Exactly. Yep. Cool.
1: Well, I think it's time for us to give uh, the Distance Depot a call. Kristen, and we're going to talk Uh, a little bit about trailer and barn cameras, which we have one of, so I can't wait. And we're going to cut there. Let me write that down. All right. Give Karen a call. Curse curse, Kristen. 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 I already have Karen. (laughs) Add people to the call. Let's add Kristen. That's okay. Glenn
3: still thinks I live in Colorado. (laughs) Well,
1: I, for some reason, we see pictures of you, beautiful mountains. We just think Colorado. We don't think Nevada. We think of Nevada as flat. We think all of all of Nevada looks like Las Vegas.
3: Okay. That's right. Problem. Yeah, we're at the other end of the state. We're in the Sierras. We have ski resorts up here. Wow. So remember that part.
1: Ski. See, if it, were, <laughs> well, if it weren't see... for the fact that it was an hour and a half drive to the nearest gas station, we'd love to live there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here I am typing on the wrong computer again. Hey, but you can
3: still do get your groceries delivered. So can you, you really know, get cap- your groceries
1: delivered out there?
3: I could. I you know, we just have done the grocery pickup stuff, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. I love that. <laughs> I love it. I do. We in fact we're gonna be painting our house. We just even ordered our paint from Home Depot because it was on sale for Labor Day, and it got delivered to us on Sunday. Wow, I know. No extra charge. Cool. Yeah. Isn't All right. That so
1: we got her going. Um, we will cut here and bring okay. you back in. So I'm gonna you you jump in when she answers. Okay.
2: Okay. Good morning,
4: Stepo. This is Kristen. Good morning, Kristen. How are you? Good morning, Karen.
3: Hi, and Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, hey. (laughs) Well, this morning we've got a really uh, fun topic to talk about, uh, trailer and barn cameras.
4: Yes. um, On our website, um, on the left-hand side navigation, we actually have a whole category um, devoted to this. So you can look under horse, trailer, and truck, and there we have the wireless trailer slash barn cameras page. And we list all of the cameras that we offer. Um, we have a Hindsight um, Journey camera, it's called, which there there are two. There's a standard lens camera and also a wide-angle lens. And these run wirelessly, um, are super durable, um, heavy-duty, made in the USA. Um, so really nice units to show you um, your horses while you're driving. You can also hook it up in the barn and use it as a folding camera.
1: Mm,
5: okay. So
4: multi-use for sure. And of course we have the trailerized digital unit. We've sold the trailerized units for as long as I can remember. Um, Karen, don't you have one of these?
3: I do. I have a trailerized. Unit? It's a few years old. It still works great. I love it. Yeah.
4: It's it's so nice just to give you that peace of mind while you're driving down the highway. Um, you can also use it yeah. for a bowling camera. Use it in the barn. It has infrared, so you can see at night. Um, so it has mm-hmm. um, split view on the screen, and it, you can also record on it.
3: Okay. So um,
4: very multi multi used camera there.
3: And here's a secret: when I uh, took my, uh, I you know had to get my class A driver's license since my Trailers over 10,000, you know, GVWR. Right. I used the backup camera. I repositioned it and pointed it down so that when I had to do my skills test, <laughs> it, you know, you've got to back up within a like a 30 inch square and you can't go over the line. So <laughs> I used I used it for that, which was actually very helpful. So I
4: imagine. Uh, Yeah, that's awesome.
3: The backup, you know, and of course you can use it, you know, a lot of ride camps as endurance riders go to, we need the back up between trees or other rigs or whatever. And so the backup camera is very handy to have on the back of your trailer.
4: Yeah. Yep that's really useful. We use the, we have a trailer eyes also offers an indoor barn camera. It's really little. It kind of looks like they call it princess Leia. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a little tiny, (laughs) little tiny camera. And we use it here in the store, which is super helpful. If we're out like at an event or somewhere, even just away for the day, Um, you know, we can check in on the store because it's wireless and you can hook it up to the app on your phone. Uh We also use the trailer and barn camera. So I can, Um, at home, I can check if I'm away, I can click on my phone app, open it up, and then I can scan and find my horses. It it actually has a long range because our wireless goes from the barn to the house, which is pretty far away. Uh Um, so it reaches all that that way. So oh, it's good. pretty, yeah, pretty user friendly as far as that goes. But it's so cool just to be able to pull it up on your phone. I can check on the horses. In fact, the last time we were away, I was visiting family and I looked at the horses and our water tank was overflowing. Well, oh, one of the boys had turned the nozzle, I must have just turned it off slightly, and they must have scratched their nose on it, because they're not the type to mess with things, but they had just turned it on enough, so it had a really slow drip, so I was able to call my neighbors and say, hey, run over there, and shut that oh water my- off. my! so cool. So, yeah, it's very cool, so really helpful things to have, and it's just neat to be able to check in and make sure, you know, they're doing fine, and yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty cool units for sure
3: exactly yeah they're definitely useful things to have you know you don't realize it uh, you know until you have one yeah. how valuable they are just for like you said the peace of mind, whether mm-hmm. it's checking on them in the barn, or check in exactly. on them while you're hauling them somewhere. Um,
1: and also I have something I just thought of with the newer models nowadays, because we have a hindsight, but ours is generation one when they first started selling oh, to the okay. equestrian market. But the newer ones now where you can connect to the app, uh, rather than buying a separate system for your door, because a lot of people like to have the ring cameras now. Oh right. Just put your put your hindsight or your or your trailer eyes. On your front door. If you want to have, if you want to have that ability to go online and look what's going on in your front door or your tack room door Uh or the entrance to your barn and can Mm -hmm. give you a little peace of mind security wise too. Yeah. Right. Or when you need your class A
3: license and you can't go (laughs) over the line. Yeah. What a great idea. (laughs) Just
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to, I need to put mine on the back of my horse trailer. We've, we, Usually used it on the inside of the trailer, which was how they marketed them initially. So you could keep an eye on your horses right. inside the horse trailer, mm-hmm. but I need to put mine on the outside because with the new pickup truck, mm-hmm. the mirrors aren't quite wide enough that I can see my horse trailer tires when I back up. And oh, when I, right. when I park my trailer, I have to park it on two narrow concrete pads with the tires so that we don't get ants in the trailer. Right. And I can't see them with the mirrors, <laughs> so I need to put but, I need to put my camera on there. Yeah,
3: they're very handy. <laughs> well, yeah. and
1: we actually sell extra cameras, so we have
4: um, you can buy just the additional camera. So, and with the split screens, you <gasps> should be able. to, Brilliant. If I'm not mistaken, you should be able to have one on the outside, yeah, and one Thanks. on the inside, That's and then. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you may need to go to a different frequency on the camera because they have d- different channels. But I would think that would be very easy to set up too.
1: Yeah, these they've they've come so far in the past. I know it. Three five years since we got ours. They just yeah, you and you can buy one system and have it apply to so many places because the cameras are designed to be easy to install, therefore easy to uninstall.
4: Yeah, they just clamp on. Yeah, they just clamp on, so you could move it. If you're not trailering, you could then use it as your barn cam, like you say. Cool. Well,
3: Kristen, tell us if somebody was interested in ordering how to get in touch with the Distance Depot.
4: All right. Well, they can visit the website, www.thedistancedepot.com. Or, of course, they could call us toll-free, 866-863-2349. We'd be happy to help.
3: Terrific. Thank you. Thanks,
4: Kristen. Thank you, girls. Bye-bye.
1: And cut there, and we will get the gals on the phone. Alright. Okay, this will take a second since we've got You've so many got to call. Three of them. Three of three them. Three of them to call. And it'll go much faster because I'm gonna type on the correct keyboard. Because <laughs> I have three to choose from over here. Invariably <laughs> <laughs> I can type on the wrong one. <laughs> Alright. Nine, seven, nine, 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 seven. That's not confusing at all. Six, eight, nine. Three, five, enter. All right. Heather is ringing.
3: You're going to add one at a time? Yes. Okay. Hello. Good morning, Heather. It's Karen.
0: Hi, Karen.
3: Hi. Well, we're going to add you guys one at a time. So you're the first one.
1: Yay. (laughs) (laughs) first.
3: Jennifer's calling I guess probably Devin because she's next on the list.
1: You got it All right now Devin is ringing
3: Hello, good morning Devin it's Karen and hey. Good, uh, we're getting you guys all on the line first before we start. So we have Heather Sweet. and now you and now we're going to add jade
1: cool all right jade is ringing Least the computer thinks Jade is ringing. (laughs) We'll see. It would be pretty much a miracle to get three different people on at one time and not have something foul up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, usually. Law of
4: of threes, right? Yeah.
2: Please leave your message for (laughs) 541690756. Steve
1: Jinx does. Jennifer. I did. Okay, we'll try one more time for Jade.
0: Hey, if we just get two out of three.
1: That's not a bad day, right?
0: It's, it's 2020. Uh, we're doing okay. Yeah.
1: Somebody, we were listening to a podcast the other day and they decided that somebody needs to make a t-shirt that says good enough for 2020. <laughs> there you go.
4: That'd be a really good t-shirt.
1: All right. We're calling her again and it's ringing. Let's see what happens. Do 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 do, not looking good. Uh oh. All right, we'll we'll give Jade out for it later. Yeah, that's right. Give her grief. It hasn't given up yet. Let's see.
2: Please leave your message no. for five, four, <laughs> one. Okay.
1: He's no Jade. Get, he's gonna hear no from Jade. you guys. No, Jade. Okay. I guess you Retried. get the time, Yeah. Retried. Okay, so y'all know how this works. This is all recorded, and we're gonna count in. Um, Karen, I'm gonna just turn you loose on this because we have so many people going, and I'll not jump in. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Do your do your best to address each guest by name. Okay, well, there's only two, but there's only two, but that way we don't talk over each other too much. Right. Um, right. Other than that, just (laughs) go to town. Okay. Okay. Okay, let me count it in. Three, two, one.
3: All right, our next guests, we have Heather Russell and Devin Horn, who just recently sent in an application for the world's toughest race in Patagonia next year because endurance riding and the Mongol Derby and events like that weren't enough for them. So they decided to do this other event, which is actually pretty amazing and, and an incredible thing to even, uh, aspire to. So let's start Heather. Tell us how this came about with you guys deciding to do this and why. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Those are Excellent questions. Um, well, for me, I watched a few of these eco challenges with my dad when I was a kid. And they took them away forever, and I'm not sure why. And it was a f- mutual friend of Devin and I on Facebook that tagged us in a post about this eco-challenge that was going on in Fiji at the time. And we jumped on it like fleas on a dog. We were so excited. <laughs> and um, so even though we it, and we couldn't believe, we'd never even heard of AR racing. it's It's a race that kind of encompasses... Almost everything that we do, except it's all of it in one race. So we're ultra runners. Um, we love these endurance OCRs and things. And the, this is kind of like an OCR on crack. So, and that's <laughs> it was a tag on Facebook that got us involved. And it was wow. Devin and I at first. And then we went on a mad hunt for teammates and a crew member. And Surprisingly, not a lot of people wanted to jump on board. <laughs> uh, we pretty much twisted her dad's arm to make it, to, I'll let her tell that story. That was a funny story. Okay. She even picked her mom on him. Um, and then uh, we, uh, Jade was willing, thank goodness. And then we were able to convince Amy Wallace-Wheeland, who's another endurance rider. So, and that kind of how our misfit team got put together last minute. <laughs> Okay, Devin, so give us tell us
3: the the story.
2: Yeah, so uh our friend tagged us on this
0: this, you know, post on Facebook and said you have to watch this docu-series on Amazon Prime and I think you can find it under World's Toughest Race, uh Echo Challenge. Mhm. And um so I tagged my dad and I said, "Dad, will you crew for me and Heather if we put a team together, you know, go watch this documentary?" And he shot back about a couple hours later, "I'll go, but I want to be on the team." So, we um, we were able to fill that position rather quickly because it's a re- uh, a requirement of the race that you have at least one member of the opposite gender. And right. like ninety nine percent of the the teams are male like male focused. They have like one girl because it's the requirement. We did the opposite. We filled all our girl roles and then had to scramble to find a dude. So I'm really glad that my dad <laughs> was was game for it. <laughs>
3: Now, has your dad, how much riding experience does your dad have?
0: Okay, so he does not know how to ride a horse. However, he's been crewing for me in advance for almost like 15 years. Okay. So he you knows his way around a horse, and just teaching about a post will be, you know, that'll be easy. <laughs>
3: So what, what, okay, so let's go over all of your crew that you have and tell us what their strong points, what their assets are. And then, uh, so, so tell us about that, uh, Devin, you
6: start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So our crew is five people. We have our, um, which is basically our head crew person or in the endurance world, you call them a chef to keep. They're the person who's in charge of all of our resupply, um, all of our logistics, making sure we have what we need. And we have Amy Wallace Whelan, who's kind of, who's very well known in East Coast endurance rider, taking over that role for us. We also have Heather Russell, who is our team captain, um, on the line right now, who is going to be, uh, she's an ultra runner, endurance athlete, bumble Derby veteran. Um, she approved for me for Tevis last year. Thank you, Heather. Uh, we work really mm-hmm. well together and she is, um, just really great at going into the the wilds and struggle bussing. Um, myself, you have mm-hmm. me, a Mongol Derby veteran, endurance rider, ultra runner. Uh, my dad, who's done 1,300-mile ultra runs. And Jay Steedlaw who's also a, um endurance rider, an ultra runner, a uh, whitewater kayaker, climber, as well as a Mongol Derby veteran. So we have a lot of uh, endurance experience put together and a lot of really good grit there.
3: Right. Uh-huh. Okay, Heather, tell us what are the points or the the things that you guys think you need to specifically work on and train for?
2: That's an excellent question. As, um, Patagonia has a mix of things that some of us definitely need to work on certain aspects.
4: Like <laughs> personally,
2: for me, it's the water aspect because that's one thing I haven't uh-huh. done. And so the fact that we're going to be in water Probably swimming and things does have me worried, so that's going to be my personal crux right there that I have to overcome. Uh, but for the most part, most of us have done pretty much everything. We're beyond excited for the uh, horseback riding stretch,
1: right? Obviously.
2: Now, <laughs> you, so not because I
3: I have just started watching the the new one that's on Amazon Prime, and so yeah. far I've only seen them leading a pack horse. I haven't seen them having to ride. So what are your, what's your anticipation for what you might get to experience?
2: So That's hard to tell because it's a surprise. Oh. Yeah, like what Devin's saying. Yeah, go for it Devin. <laughs> um, I was gonna say that the, the, basically the word on
0: the street is that the Patagonia experience will include glacier trekking, fixed rope climbing, Whitewater kayaking, mountain biking, as well as horseback riding. And there's cert- certain certifications you have to achieve um, as a team and as an individual in order to participate. And they've uh-huh. specifically said that they're looking for a horseback riding credential. Now, I don't know what that is. I hope I qualify. <laughs>
3: yeah, I think <laughs> you guys are all going to be qualified there for sure.
0: <laughs> yes, but that makes me think that they're do- they're going to be doing long stretches, or at least I'm hoping for long stretches of riding. Yeah. Because uh, no. that's going to be something our
2: team can... does really easily. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and there's the rock climbing and the repelling, the whitewater rafting, and the mountain biking for sure. But okay. these are eco-challenges. They love to throw in surprise challenges as well. If you get on um, YouTube and watch the old eco-challenges – on YouTube, it's really fascinating to see how they they can really torture you out there.
3: <laughs> like, <laughs> well, just the, like the new ones, they're having to carry their mountain bikes through the mud.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Devin's looking forward to that. She thinks that'll be her favorite part. <laughs> now,
3: are you guys going <laughs> to practice doing that? <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I'm so excited to train for this. Every time I think I'm retired, that you know nothing can save me, I find something else that's really cool and interesting and fun to do. So,
3: <laughs> yeah. So, are you planning on getting together as a group and doing some training? What are your, you know, plans for
2: being? Yes, getting... actually, Devin and I are in an AR race next month. Okay, so what's an AR I, race? That's why Eco Challenge is an AR race, but it's like the biggest version of the AR race. Kind of like the Mongol Derby is an endurance horse race, Uh but it's like the biggest one. The Eco Challenge is like the biggest version of the AR racing. They start out as small as like four-hour events and go as big as the Eco Challenges. And so we're in a 12-hour event in Missouri next month. Okay. So hopefully we survive that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what does that entail
3: for 12 hours? So, Devin, you want to take that that one?
0: one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Devin. The event is called um, Off-Road Rage Adventure Racing, which is what AR stands for, adventure racing. Okay. It's going to be a 12-hour event, and it's going to feature hiking mountain biking, as well as canoeing, if I'm not mistaken. So Heather and I are going to go out there and, and suffer a little bit with her daughters for 12 hours and uh, <laughs> get our feet wet and see what, you know, the navigation's all about and meet some fellow AR racers and hopefully pick their brains
2: a little bit. <laughs> yeah, to answer your previous question on weaknesses, uh-huh. uh, in endurance, we use GPS a lot. So we do navigation, but these challenges require you to have a compass and a map. Okay. So that is a whole new world for us. So we have to learn. Okay. Yeah, we have to learn that. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we won't get too lost in October. To learn, learning right. the ropes of topography and, and um, the compass. Right. And so tell us,
3: um, I'm not sure which one of you wants to jump in here, a little, just give us an overview of the, the echo challenge, like how long is it? How many days and the different segments
2: go for it, Captain. All right. Captain. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, the, uh, they tend to be about 11 days, 10 to 11 days. And the length, um, they make the length so that you can finish within that amount of days. So for example, Fiji, I think was 600 miles. mm mm-hmm. And then um, it sounds like Patagonia is going to be shorter, but we don't know the exact course yet. And so if, if it's following the previous years, the Eco Challenges that they did forever ago when I was a kid, it should be somewhere around four to 500 miles. But then again, it's Eco Challenge. They love to surprise you. So uh-huh. <laughs> that's about the length. It looks like they tend to start you out with either on the water or on bikes just from our research. but uh, then again, I watched one where they started them out on a glacier. And so <laughs> it's, it's very random. And even when you're out there, you don't know exactly what the next challenge is going to be. They reveal the map the day you get there. So it's it's really a mixed bag trying to prepare for these things. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I pack? And they give you a general idea. So the general idea for Patagonia They, like what Devin already said, they put in trekking, whitewater rafting, rappelling, rock climbing, mountain biking, and horseback riding. Right. And so they said, be sure to be there for those. Yeah, would do it for me. I would be like,
3: (laughs) I'm afraid of heights. So, you know, just watching them when they were, you know, going across the rope, across like the canyon or whatever, I'm like, nope. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it it really sounds incredibly complex, and when you you look at it really closely, it is incredibly complex. But then when you take a step back, it's very simple. All you have to do is get it from point A to point B, and that's really your only job. So it that's becomes all. Very simple
4: <laughs> not it.
3: That's all. And so
2: that's I right. I
4: know
3: on the new one I've been watching, I'm kind of in the middle of it, but early on they had to stop the event because of of, of a storm. And so they were, you know, different teams were in different positions and that sort of thing. And I know just because you guys have been to the Mongol Derby, you know, (laughs) you've dealt with a lot of situations like that so i think you're going to be oh, yeah. you know ready and prepared for that sort of thing so yeah we be, are
0: no strangers to mandatory race holds <laughs> there, there you go yes, almost
2: every year. definitely <laughs> yeah so like
3: yeah, second nature now
0: <laughs> and,
2: they,
3: and i know they don't even actually have the date set yet for the the next one and you know because a lot's going to depend on what happens with the COVID and Travel restrictions and stuff, but you know, what have you guys researched about learning about Patagonia and the weather and the conditions?
0: Well, luckily, I is that have done any research?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Luckily, I have a really good friend who just came back from crewing the Gaucho Derby, which is um, the adventurous new project down in the same region. uh okay. So she has been uh, basically prepping me on what to expect and how land nav was. Uh, the different aspects, um, I think the two dates that they have for Eco Challenge are February or November, mm-hmm. which is a mixed bag. You know, if it's February, we have less time to prepare, but November definitely has more snow. So it's really hard to know which one I'm hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
3: I know. <laughs> it is kind of crazy. And so how mu- how much more time do you think it's going to take before they announce? who is selected.
2: Oh, that's oh, that, that is in you know, in a couple
3: weeks. <laughs> okay, let's okay, let's Devin, go ahead and answer that one.
2: I was just going to say the wait is killing
0: me. I don't know when they're going to be able to sort through everyone's <laughs> application videos, but
2: every morning I wake up and check my Facebook to see if Heather's gotten our team mm-hmm. Announcement. <laughs> <laughs> I check my email like every two minutes. It's awful. So, they did say it would take a couple of weeks. So we have a couple of weeks of this torture of not knowing. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully it is just a couple of weeks. Yeah. That has stop me
0: from starting my training though. Yeah. Oh, like I know we're know. already
3: so sure. in training. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. I mean, you, so what, What are your plans for training, Heather? Tell us.
2: Oh, it's awful! It's like starting a brand new sport and being completely lost. And so I have—I always have this written morning routine, and so far it has not gone to plan—not once. (laughs) Like life gets in the way, but I'm trying really hard to pull in all the different aspects. I'm working on my grip strength. I'm working on my running. Um, Obviously, I'm getting on my bike every day now because I'm not a really strong mountain biker, so I'm trying to get that stronger. I'm trying to get out and paddle a couple times a week because, again, my upper body strength isn't where it should be. And so just trying to train my weaknesses back up. And, of course, Mm -hmm. the navigation, I'm uh, hitting that every day, trying to learn how to navigate for magnetic north, things like that things I uh-huh. didn't even know existed <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I bet you're it's a lot of personal. not just exactly yeah mm-hmm. it's not just the physical training it's I'm trying to educate the other way too and researching AR races um strategy seems like there's a lot of strategy that goes along out there it's not just physical mm-hmm. and so been trying to learn as much as I can there by contacting previous AR racers and so Yes, I've been reading their
3: their Facebook page and uh, yeah, you know, and they did do a good job, I thought, of selecting a wide variety of teams. You know, they had people with different disabilities and different age ranges and and stuff like that. So I think you guys have a pretty good chance, hopefully, of getting selected.
2: Ah, We sure hope so.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know and it you know and all this training is just going to make you even better in, at endurance riding. Oh
2: yeah, the we training should hope never so. The time.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So training never a bad thing. Yeah, so um what are your plans for endurance in the near future? Let's start with Devin.
2: Well, uh, my,
0: uh, I live in Texas. So our state is just kind of starting to begin to host rides again. Mm -hmm. I'm very hopeful that there there's a 75 in, uh, October, middle October that looks like it's going to go, but our calendar is still just kind of recovering and everyone is still beginning to kind of be comfortable with meeting in, in, at ride camp again. So I'm hopeful that, uh, that that will continue and I'll we'll have lots of good endurance rides to go and participate in. Cause of course that's training
2: too. So <laughs>
3: exactly. exactly. So what about you, Heather? And where are you, are you
2: located? Same, same. I'm in, I'm in Texas too. I'm just okay. north of Houston. So about the same area as Devin and I'm, I'm doing the same game just waiting for rides to open up. There mm. are a few that look very hopeful that they are. And so, and I've kept my two boys in condition Oh, good. So we're, we're ready and poised. <laughs> <laughs> you know, COVID kind of messed my, things um, up for us.
0: Yeah, I just got m- one of my horses in training back. So hopefully we'll be able to hit something before the new year. <laughs> All
3: right. And so if people want to learn more about this, there's a website called echochallenge.com. And I know you gals are going to be working on putting together a website, um, hopefully after you get selected for this.
0: Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, well, we wish you the best of luck and, um, we'll be keeping in touch and following you and hope that, um, that you get selected and get to go. Yeah. Please okay,
0: keep your you fingers crossed. We, we just want to
3: get to the third one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's, yeah. That's going to be a challenge in itself for sure. Especially right now with the. Everything seems so crazy right now the world we're in. It Absolutely.
0: is, isn't it? Yeah. If we can just get to the start line everything else will be
1: easier, right? <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks <laughs> for coming on the show guys. Appreciate you being here and we'll yeah, we'll uh, check back in when you get when you once you get uh, officially entered and and accepted.
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: thanks. I, I agree. <laughs> All right, thank
2: All you right, guys.
1: Bye. bye. Bye guys. All right, we cut there. All right. We'll come back in with the renegade ad. And then I will, um, introduce the daily dose. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one. So much fun chatting with those ladies. Um, Speaking of difficulties, practicing, tough terrain, Renegade Hoof Boots covers all of those, doesn't it? They do.
3: They're uh, terrific boots made in the United States. They come in several different colors, different options. I have been uh, working with them directly to get boots fitted for my new horse, Apollo. And what we came up with based on his foot shape and his heel bulb shape and his size. We have a viper bottom with a renegade captivator for the back. And that seems to work well. It fits them well and it uh, helps uh, encompass the, the back of his heel bulbs mm-hmm. um, better that way. And the boots are working great. Uh, so you,
1: they can actually take different... Um, aspects of each each model
3: of boot and combine them and mix and match them to make them fit uh, specifically for your horse. And they're really, they're really good at that. So depending on the shape of your horse's heel bulbs, uh, whether they're more uh, curved and round or more flat, or if they're contracted, you know, different shapes the different captivators you know one over the other might work better same for the hoof shape if it's more of a spade shape or oval versus a round shape you you know each you know different type of boot model may work better than the other even though like with Apollo he is seems to do fine in either one, just like most of my horses over the years have done fine in, in either of the models of the regular Renegade or the Viper model. But by combining the, you know, the two aspects, for, you know, or one aspect from each model of boot and putting, combining them together, then I have the most optimum boot for hit, for him specifically, which is great. And, and of course, when you do that, you can mix and match your colors, however you want, which is really helpful if, you're, if you've are if you got multiple horses or you just want to be able to keep track of which boots go on the front, which go on the back without yeah. having to actually look at them.
1: That's especially a good if, idea.
3: Get, get one color for the front,
1: one color for the back because a lot of horses go. have different sizes. Yeah.
3: If they do, especially when you're getting up and, you know, at, oh, dark 30 and tacking up in the dark. <laughs> you
1: know <laughs> that's a challenge in and of itself
3: <laughs> yeah for for a lot of us now just getting up
1: is a challenge. well yeah there's that too <laughs> but in the dark <laughs> yeah it's, you know that's great so, so where, where um, can people contact renegade hoof boots you can go
3: to renegadehoofboot.com and i am going to be doing a series of posts for renegade on apollo's transition to barefoot because in fact that's some stuff i want to talk to you about jennifer he's anglo-arab so he's got kind of thoroughbredy feet which are flat yeah. and they're and they're they chip and stuff real easy and so welcome to the uh, club yeah okay there we go so i do need to be using boots on him when we ride because his feet are just chipping just by being turned out at home mm-hmm. i don't you know so um, I'm doing a bunch of stuff to help, you know, improve his hoof quality and manage him barefoot for the long term. And I know it's going to take a while. So we're on a, pro- you know, a long term process to get there. And so yeah. I'm going to be documenting it and doing a series of blog posts. It's well, cool that you're doing the, the blog posts H-
1: because there's so many people who have horses with... Marginal. They're in the same boat. Exactly. Strength. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm gonna be going over the things
3: I know that are tried and true that I've done over the years with previous horses that worked really well. And I mean you gotta figure Chief's God he's he's 25 and he's still going sound. Um he's been barefoot almost all that time. Um you, you know, he's done an awful lot of endurance miles and regular miles. And so I've learned a bunch, but I'm still learning. So we're going to be going through all the things that work or that don't work. And that can be found on the renegadehorseboot.com under the category Barefoot News.
1: There you go. So and it's renegade hoof boot singular is the website. Although if you uh-huh. just put into your search, search engine renegade hoof boots, it'll pop up. They so have really it'll good SEO. Up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's great. Well, another, uh, another thing that we're constantly learning about as horse people, is what to feed our horses. And I got together last week with Janet Geyer, who is the owner, founder, chief formulator, chief cook, bottle washer at Daily Dose Equine, a new feed company, and they're just kind of joining the family over here at Horse Radio Network. So I chatted with her, and I wanted to share that with you. So here we go. And I am so happy... To welcome to the family at the horse radio network, because we do kind of consider ourselves family around here because we're all horse crazy folks and we like to support each other just like a family does. Janet Geyer and she is the founder of a little company called Daily Dose Equine, which you may have heard of. I talked today. I talked to Janet a number of years ago at Ada in Philadelphia and regular listeners know all about Ada. And had a great chat with her, and I'm so glad that she has decided to come on over here to the Horse Radio Network and tell everybody about Daily Dose Equine. And so, thanks for joining the fun, and welcome to the show, Janet. Well, thank you very much, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy to be here. Um, how long has Daily Dose Equine, the feed company, been around? Well, it was started in 2006. 2006. And, that's that, yep. That's... Wow, that's been around a while. You're, you've got some track record there. It has. it has. It's been around a while. So you are a scientist by background. You have lots of brain cells. What made, <laughs> you, what made you go down the road, develop a horse feed? Where'd that come from? Well, I think I'm a horse lover
5: first. Aww. So that's where it all started. I mean, I was having problems with my horses. And back in 2005, 2006, there weren't any great answers for horses that were metabolic or uh, heavy. And some of the boarders that I have at my farm were having problems gaining weight. And I was looking around and saying, you know, what is going on here with horse feed? And uh, so I learned a lot about horse feed in a short amount of time and uh, started developing. Uh, ideas which led to Daily Dose Equine.
1: So really, it was was born out of a necessity because you couldn't find appropriate answers for horses of your own and horses in your own care. That's correct. That's correct. Absolutely. That's interesting. So when I look at Daily Dose Equine, one of the things I see written on there is that it is a non-GMO horse feed. And... Non-GMO is something in the human food world you see bantered about a lot, lots of big headlines, non-GMO. What does non-GMO mean, and why should I care? Well, it means that none of the ingredients are genetically
5: modified, and a lot of the grains that are available on the market for horse feed and other feeds are sprayed with uh, herbicides. And because of that, uh, the herbicides end up in the uh, digestive system of the horse and we all know that the digestive system of the horse is a very delicate thing and if you throw it out of balance or you create problems with um, uh, the little microbes that actually live in the intestinal tract then the horse might develop ulcers it might have colic issues it might have uh, other problems um, that are associated with this
1: so how does one go about sourcing non-GMO ingredients for horses? Cause we're talking ginormous quantities. It's not like buying a pound of flour. Well, some people do grow
5: non-GMO feed and uh, Canada actually sources a lot of the non-GMO products. Um, oats, for example, are not non-GMO. Um, we've been able to source barley. Uh, we've been able to acquire a lot of the ingredients um, including the oils that go into the feed that uh, are all non-GMO. They have been tested for Roundup. And uh, because of that, it is really a wonderful product. It doesn't affect the intestinal tract and, you know, it goes on and on. So um, I think it's a a safer product.
1: So is non-GMO the same as organic or are they two different things? They are two different things. Uh, organic means
5: that they haven't been sprayed with any chemicals in addition to being non-GMO. But with my seed, it's been tested for pesticides and herbicides. So they're not there, which is similar to what happens with um, organic. And uh, in my case, I haven't gone for organic certification. Um, that could be something
1: we do down the line. So what you guys do is you test it to make sure there's no chemicals on it. Correct. Well, that to me means it's going to be kind of organic. Yeah, I, I like that. That works for me. I think it's a good definition. I have tested it and there's no chemicals. Ta-da. Right. <laughs> and another one of the things that you guys do that's a little bit different, that, and you really don't see it in America much at all. I don't think there's any companies in America besides yours that are American companies, there are some importers from overseas, uh, but roasted feed, what are you roasting and why do you roast it? Ah, that's a
5: really good question. So roasting grains, has um, been around for a long time and I understand it's an old pig farmer trick, which is fun. Uh, the idea of roasting, what it does is that it cleans up the grain. Grain sits in a silo for a long period of time. And you can have bugs in there. You can have mice in there. You can have a lot of things that uh, cause um, grains to actually grow mold or bacteria. And uh, what happens with feed is that it needs to be tested for molds. Um, but if you roast it, you're getting rid of the mold and bacteria. So it cleans it up. And as it passes by the flame at 2,500 degrees, it actually opens up the kernels, making it more digestible. So it's a little bit of processing, but it is really clean feed. And what happens is is that it uh, doesn't grow mold. It doesn't grow bacteria. It's been tested for that. And um, it's clean enough for you to eat. Although I don't think it'd be really great on your breakfast cereal.
1: Probably not. Probably not. So, <laughs> <laughs> So whenever it's roasted, the bits of grain in there get roasted, that... Improves the digestibility from the horse's point of view. He gets more nutrients does, out of it.
5: Yes, and you can use less because it's more digestible. Oh, the I other know. thing it does is that it lowers the non-structural carbohydrate.
1: Oh, that's a big so big. Can, that's a big deal for a lot of folks out there, isn't it? It sure is. So if you if you've got the air fern or the insulin sensitive horse, that's a real plus, isn't it? It certainly is. There we go. And speaking of um, being cost effective, it's more digestible. In other words, he gets to actually use more of the nutrients that are contained within that food product. Um, no fillers. I, when I was reading, I, I got some for Scooter. Scooter's eating the carb buster right now. And it says right on there, you use this much. And it's like, well, that's only a tiny little amount. That doesn't sound right. But it says no fillers. What are fillers? And why would I put them in my horse feed?
5: Okay, well, fillers are added into horse feed, and uh, it's kind of an economical question. Um, if you want a client to use more of your product, then you put fillers in it, and what happens is, is that instead of using five pounds a day, you would use 10 pounds a day because the fillers actually make more bulk. So um, they're non-nutritive, which means that they're not necessary. So we've never add the, added them into the feed. So they're not there, and that means that you can use
1: less. You can use less. How interesting. So typically for, let's let's take your trail mix, which is a non-soy feed for performance types horses that you make. It's called trail mix, and it looks kind of like trail mix when you look at a picture of it. If Uh I were to feed a typical performance horse product, they're going to be telling me to feed a minimum of 6 to 10 pounds to that horse. For the trail mix, where where do your numbers fall in, in that kind of a product?
5: We recommend that an
1: 1,100-pound horse get four pounds a day. That's a lot um, less than six to ten. It certainly is. It certainly is. And then because horses need to eat a certain amount of roughage, forage, hay every day, we get to give our horses plenty of hay because he's not eating fillers, and the hay is actually good for him versus the fillers, which really... Is just not doing anything for them at all. So whole foods is, again, something that you see in human food advertising. Whole foods, whole foods are good for you. Well, it kind of makes sense whole foods are good for you, but from the point of view of my horse's food, Daily Dose Equine is using whole food ingredients. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to find a, uh, a corn stalk in there? Uh, no, that's not what that means, but it does mean that we do minimal processing,
5: and we do not make pellets out of this feed. It is actually ground up a little bit. And uh, the reason for that is we have to hide some of the vitamins and minerals in the product so that the horses will eat it. Um, if you separate, um, you know, the vitamins and minerals from the rest of the carrier carrier product, then, you know, they won't eat it. So um, uh, what we do is we hide it. And we do that basically by grinding it up, as you've seen with the Carb Buster. And with the trail mix, we didn't have to grind it up. We used just whole grains and flax and um, sunflower seeds. Uh, We have an edible clay in the food, uh, which helps with digestive issues. Um, The vitamin-mineral mix, of course, is there. Uh, Prebiotics, probiotics, uh,
1: a lot of great stuff in there. And that was something I, f- I found interesting with the carb buster, which to me, it looked a little bit like ground-up kelp or something. It was that It's kind of that green color, and I'm guessing it's because there's a lot of ground-up hay pellets in there, perhaps? Yes. yes. So we
5: take hay pellets, and we grind those up, and we hide the vitamins and minerals in there.
1: And they get all, they they the get all mixed well, in, so it's one uniform right. stuff. Right. But there's also little, there's little tiny yellow, yellowish colored pellets, which I'm guessing are peas. They are. And I, I spotted sunflower seeds in there. He picks the sunflower seeds out first, by the way. He thinks those are pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to <laughs> really like those. Um, and it doesn't smell sweet like horse feed in it. Does it not have molasses in it? It does not have molasses in it. We don't use any molasses in our processing. Interesting. And that's just because it doesn't really, molasses isn't something that brings nutrition to the table, does it? Just flavor.
5: It only brings flavor and it's been used a lot in the horse industry, mainly because you've got to hide the taste of some of the ingredients. So we don't need it because
1: it should taste good. It should taste good. There we go. And how many different um, feed products does Daily Dose Equine offer? We have uh, three feeds and four forage balancers. Now, a feed is a fortified horse feed. That's the only thing he needs besides his good quality forage. What does a forage balancer do? What's the role of a forage balancer?
5: Well, the way I look at it is that a feed is for horses that need more calories. So you would give them a little bit more, um, the level of nutrition is a little less. So for your fatties (laughs) that are out there, um, the forage balancers are really great because you can control their weight, so it's higher level of nutrition, it's uh, lower calories, and if you have to add something else to the forage balancer, it's easy to do.
1: I see. So versus the feed, which is for a... a a horse who requires extra calories beyond what he's going to be able to consume in good quality hay, like a a horse that's in work or maybe thoroughbreds or even a lot of quarter horses need some grains. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. So that's really cool. So you've got something for everybody. You've got feed for performance horses. You've got feed for seniors who maybe don't chew so good. Right. Exactly. That's ground up for the guys who don't have teeth. You've got and, feed for uh, brood mares and foals even. We do. Absolutely. So, whenever which was the first one you developed? What, what came first?
5: Well, I think the, uh, the senior is probably the, one of the most popular feeds that I have. And that's because there are so many horses out there who uh, need more weight. Uh, as they get older, they're having a problem chewing. And uh, it's been a very popular feed. Uh, it has hay in it. It's 25% hay, which is also ground up in there. So that does help them with the lack of fiber that they get in their diet. And it's very high in fat. So we have put 15% fat in the product. And it helps
1: these guys uh, maintain their weight and uh, feel good. Exactly. Now, not all fats are created equal, as many of us know. What are some of the common fat sources that Daily Dose Equine uses? Well, we use two fat sources uh,
5: besides what's already in uh, some of the whole foods that are in there. Um, First of all, I want to say that we have sunflower seeds and flax, which does contribute some of the fat sources to the product. Um, But we also add in uh, either soybean oil, which is non-GMO, and it's really beautiful soybean oil, or we use canola oil. We have two products that are totally non-soy. One of them is the TrailMix, and the other one is the Carbuster. Buster.
1: Ah, so we have yeah, one feed. That, okay, and- so Scooter's not getting any of that extra fat. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> He's chubby enough already as it is. Now, and a lot of folks might be, be wondering right now, okay, can I get can I daily dose? I haven't seen that at my local feed store. But you've solved that problem, haven't you? We have. We are available through Chewy.com. Yay, so anybody who has a computer or a smartphone <laughs> can order it from Chewy.com, and that's how I got mine, um, because Good. you're in Maryland, which is a long drive to get a couple of bags of feet, so I ordered it through Chewy, and just hopped, there on, hopped online right there. I ordered my bag of grain and a, bu- and a bottle of fly spray and got free shipping, yay me, and it, a couple days later, it showed up in a cardboard box on my front door, so that was great fabulous. There we go. Now for so somebody who has has further questions or is a little bit curious about Daily Dose Equines and the one, two, three, four, five different uh, horse feed products that you guys make available through Chewy.com, how can they contact you? What's the best way to do that?
5: Well, we do have a website. It's www.dailydoseequine.com. Um, there is a form you can fill out and It comes straight to me. Um, Other than that, um, you can certainly call into uh, Chewy. They are very good at answering a lot of the questions.
1: So for shipping and availability questions, how long it's going to take to ship it, which products are in stock, et cetera, et cetera, you can just talk to the folks at Chewy, Chewy Chewy.com, easy peasy, or go on to the Daily Dose Equine website, and you can be contacted via email, uh, by way of that, if you have questions about, uh, the ingredients that are in there, which one would be best for your particular horse because each horse is individual. And even within that, how you take care of your individual horse, it's, it's a two-sided thing, the person and the horse. Um, and sometimes it's a case of you have a variety of different horses and which one's going to cover all your horses. And that's, those are things that you can answer because you develop them yourselves. And you feed them to your horses, so you know all this stuff. So thank you very much for hanging out with us for a few minutes, Janet Geyer.
5: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
1: That was a lot of fun to chat with, Janet, and get to know Daily Dose Equine a little bit. Daily Mm -hmm. Dose Equine, three separate words. You can Google it, or you can just go over to Chewy.com.
6: I love Chewy. They bring stuff right to your door.
1: It was a little odd getting a bag of horse feed from Chewy, I have to say.
6: <laughs> but see, I've got four dogs, so I love when I can get stuff delivered.
1: <laughs> and we actually have a Chewy warehouse here in Ocala, so it didn't have to go very far.
6: Oh, no kidding. That's nice. Yeah, we have one in just up in Sparks, which is right next to Reno. And speaking of Reno, their air quality this morning early was off the charts. It was higher than it's ever been recorded, over 500. Wow.
1: Now, crazy? I wonder if all these masks that we've been wearing of late, and if you're wondering why I'm talking about people wearing masks, because you're listening to this show on September 8th, 2025, just go to your computer and search <laughs> COVID-19 or the year 2020, <laughs> and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. You're going to be wearing them even if there isn't anybody around.
6: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. You know, and it makes your lungs hurt. It gives you a headache. You know, we want to run the air conditioning and it just circulates the, you know, smoke through our house. But Reno's also got the added, um, uh, the wind is blowing the dust in from the playa from, you know, the desert further north Mm -hmm. from this big Northwest windstorm cold front that's coming through. Wow. That's, it's, it's crazy yeah so talk about air pollution
1: yeah there you go Uh, well what doesn't suck is that slowly but surely rides are getting scheduled
6: yay we are we have endurance rides up and you can learn more about them by going to aarc.org and clicking on the ride calendar and they're not all marked canceled anymore (laughs) we're starting to have rides we have the virginia city hundred coming up soon in nevada in just another couple of weeks uh there's other rides throughout the region i um i hopefully will be going to one or two of them in october um yeah, They're starting. To ge- gotta, they're starting to
1: gear up down here in the South. We're we're in Florida, and I've noticed now that uh-huh. we actually have a few rides that have been approved. So, uh, I think the very end of 2020, we're going to start seeing the more more ride schedule. And for some AERC rides, it's a little bit easier because it's by its very nature. Endurance Social riding distancing. is a distance sport. You don't have gangs of people hanging out at in gates and gangs of people hanging out the canteen and things like that by its nature. So that, in some respects, can make it easier for right. some. Yeah,
6: of when we're rides. out riding, we're you know half a mile or quarter mile apart. Yeah, when for you the have a hundred
1: mile ride, you can yeah. get you can get away from everybody. Yeah.
6: For the most part, you usually can. It's just a matter of how they have to coordinate their volunteers and the vets and stuff in camp to keep them, you know, safe from hopefully they're not spreading COVID or anything.
1: Keep keep everybody apart and keep everybody masked when they're not, right?
6: Exactly. And I think they're showing that being outdoors is safer. You you know, one of the safest things to be doing. Versus hanging out. uh, Yeah. Right. Versus being a couch potato. (laughs) See,
1: it's better for everybody. And if you are a, uh, if you're an outdoor competitive riding newbie, or if you're an outdoor competitive riding person who is formerly a couch potato and you want to start things carefully, easily, and with um, easy chance of success like me, (laughs) there (laughs) are endurance rides. A varying length. I, the shortest ones I've ever come across are about ten miles. And if you can go for a trail ride with your friends on Saturday and Sunday, and still be able to walk on Monday, you can do a ten mile ride.
6: Even if you have to go downstairs backwards. And yep. I think most endurance riders will understand Yes, you can do that. <laughs> that
1: yep. And there uh, are...
6: Then yes, there, the, there more are, ride, the, the more you ride, the easier it gets.
1: Easier. And there are various different organizations. AERC, American Endurance Ride Conference, is the largest. It's the official FEI-associated um, discipline for endurance riding. But there are also smaller... Uh, regional, groups regional groups and, clubs, and there are and, groups with different types of rides and rules. The North American Trail Ride Conference is very mm-hmm. similar, but they add a an extra aspect to their rules and regs and competitions that you have to be able to to uh, be judged on simple horsemanship challenges. For example, right. doing a leg yield.
6: And ARC is is currently discussing whether. Or whether or not to include riding ties.
1: Oh, interesting! Because there's riding ties where where a team of two people alternate back and, and one forth horse. between riding and and running, uh-huh. and that's kind of a cool sport if you if you like to run too.
6: Yeah, right. And as long as you've practiced tying your horse up,
1: yeah, yeah, you got to <laughs> ahead of time. <laughs>
6: time. Yeah, ahead of time. The worst is I've heard stories from people that have done riding ties where uh, the horse either got loose or they ran past the horse and didn't see Oops. it.
1: Oops! Yeah, rec- Oops. make sure you rec- so, tie you know, tie like rainbow colored stuff on his saddle. So you exactly, get, it's like your luggage right. at, the, at the airport. Just exactly, right you get
6: really <laughs> bright, yeah, colored tack as obnoxious as you can think of, uh, so that you you know you have to you get would right have one. to be blind to, yeah. to go past it. If you, but, if
1: you, if you yeah, have so a if you have a plain brown horse, don't get the wrong plain brown horse. like having black luggage at the yeah. Tie some stuff on there. Good idea.
6: <laughs> I know exactly, yeah, get the colored the brightest colored renegades and the brightest colored Biothane tack, and yeah. you'll be all set, you'll so all set. yeah there's there's lots of other stuff going on out there, and we're starting to you know pick up and get back hopefully to you know somewhat normal because just like with the rest of the economy, you know the sport can't just keep going on with everything getting cancelled because i I think like a couple of my friends have commented to me is I can see, you know, they've said things like I can see how when somebody doesn't do endurance for several months, how they don't stay interested in it or don't want to come back to it and get involved at the same level they were previously because they realize, you know, the dedication and commitment that it takes Mm because they've, you know, this COVID thing is just sort of, disrupted so many people's lives yeah. so you know you just have to stay focused and stay committed and you know set goals even if they're just small goals
1: goals like and um working on goat phobia goals like that goat phobia, goat phobia. it is right. a thing it is it is indeed a thing well to find links to today's guests and topics etc cetera, etc cetera, you're going to go to horsesinthemorning.com And this is the episode for September 8th, 2020. The easy way to search for them is by their date. And you can follow us on Facebook if you haven't done so already. Just search for horses in the morning. And we are on Twitter. Our handle there is Horse Radio. If you have not done so already, download the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. If you're not really tech savvy, find a nine-year-old. They'll be able to do it for you. Just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. Don't miss any shows. You can also subscribe if you're old school via iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. And thank you very much to The Distance Depot and Renegade Hoof Boots and Daily Dose Equine for sponsoring today's show. And we will see you again next month, Karen. Thank you, everybody. Be safe out there and wear your helmets. cut All right, this is the auditor part.
6: Okay, so you were going to tell me about uh Nigel's heels.
1: Yes, there we go. Um one of the things that we cuz we struggled with various and sundry sorts of glue-on shoes for Nigel. And Aww. they certain they certainly have performed their function in that he needed shoes. He could not walk comfortably on anything but turf. And then it was only just comfortable. It wasn't happy.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. The hard yeah.
1: part being he has A, really, really big feet. Uh, he wears a size three in a steel shoe. Oh boy. Yeah. Those are nice. Big yeah. feet. B, they're flat as pancakes, literally. Mm-hmm. And C, he's got zero heel height. The bulbs of his steel oh. heels, the fleshy part of his heels, actually uh-huh. touch the ground when he's barefoot.
6: Okay. So
1: that's how flat they are. They're very long because they grow horizontally. Mm-hmm. So we needed we needed a stopgap measure. So we did that. Um, but it wasn't ideal because uh, unlike a steel shoe, a plastic shoe, you can't shape it to the horse's foot. And they're not shaped like his feet. So we're kind of mashing his foot into something that's really not quite shaped like he sure, is. Sure. Right? Right. And this last cycle around, um, my varrier came across a a guy. I think he's out of Australia, and I can't remember his name, unfortunately. He's taking the adhere hoof glue, which is designed to be glued to glue horseshoes on or Mm -hmm. to um, replace gaps in hooves. Like if you have to remove horn because of white line disease and you need to put a patch in there. And okay. They have fa- they have designed it so it's specifically mimics hoof horn. So its density and its properties are hoof horn. It behaves just like hoof horn as far as its density, its flexibility, how much Say that 3 times real fast. Yeah. Okay. concussion it absorbs and stuff like that. <laughs> He's a fancy meter to do it. And what he started doing for young thoroughbreds in training rather than putting shoes on them which starts them down that road of Mm -hmm. um, human induced poor hoof quality. Right. He would just, he basically put like a thin layer of icing on the bottom of their foot, which the entire sole of their foot into the grooves, but except for the frog doesn't touch the frog with it.
6: Okay. Good.
1: It's basically just like a layer of icing, a very, very thin layer of icing. And then, He added a tiny amount of shredded fiberglass to it, which gives it increased shear strength so it lasts longer. Uh And they have found that they've been able to put these yearlings into training very effectively with just that because all it's doing is giving them that extra layer of good, healthy hoof horn.
6: That they don't naturally have. Okay. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And and the more movement, the better. It it allows their
1: foot to behave like a foot. It's not restricting it in any way because it behaves Mm -hmm. just like hoof horn. It was really interesting. So we tried it on this last time around. And how'd it go? It went really, really well. I was very surprised. And in Nigel's case, it gave us the advantage of also being able to give him a small amount of hoof height or heel height because he doesn't normally have any um, without putting a shoe on, which gives the entire hoof height, which we don't really want. It allowed his frog to to operate properly versus barefoot. It works improperly because it's the frog is closer to the ground than the heel, which is bad. With a shoe, it's not close enough to the ground. Bad. Um, it it gave us that happy medium. So his hoof, his frog had a much more normal shape and texture than it normally does. Because normally, with a shoe, it tends to become prolapsed. Barefoot, oh. it becomes pancaked because it's hitting the ground first. Um, sure. So I was very pleased with it. It lasted very comfortably for four and a half weeks. So okay, I was pleased good. with that. Um, I didn't have to do anything special with him. She just applied it as per, you know, normal instructions. So if you're having trouble with sensitivity in his soles because he's running around the pasture barefoot, it does uh, it does afford some amount of protection to their hoof wall. That's something maybe I should get you. I'll get you the name of the guy who created the, oh, the, okay. the process good. and yeah, watch, his, I, watch his yeah, video. I've been-
6: I've been busy ordering all sorts of stuff for Apollo. I've got duracil coming, Caratex. I've got some co- copper sulfate that I'm gonna mix with some Desitin to put in the frog sulcus and stuff. Um, so we're gonna be working on that. Plus, he's getting you know improved nutrition with right. that the makes biotin, too. yeah, yeah, and the meth methionine myony, and all of yeah. the supplements and yeah. stuff like that. Plus the increased work. And I am going to be booting them when we work in because yeah, that's just smart. Um,
1: protect him, protect those feet as they exactly. You
6: know, as they Cause yeah. I don't want him to be sore. You well, know, see, I, I,
1: I that was the battle I had with Nigel in that he was sore at a low grade level. He didn't limp all right, four, f- all then, four feet hurt just enough that he constantly oh. compensated with his body. Exactly. And then they don't
6: want to move around as much.
1: And then it's a, is a, vicious right. it mm-hmm. a vicious cycle. Right. It becomes a vicious cycle because they move less, right. which makes the circulation poorer, the whole thing. One of the other things um, I have, I do periodically, a couple of times a year, is I put them on so- something called Toe Grow. And it's a topical product, but it's not greasy gooey, which you don't okay. want to do if you're using glue on a horse's foot because that. De- right. It- doesn't glue, stick stay. very well um, <laughs> it's called a pop copper peptide complex and you take a small it's like a viscous it's almost liquid but it's viscous and you just put a little okay. bit of it on the hairline and you rub it into the hairline where the coronet is okay. and that seriously grows some hoof oh
6: okay I, see i kind of do that with um corona ointment around
1: yeah try the try the co- cop, try the toe grow it literally oh, makes their grow their okay. feet grow faster okay uh, he had two serious quarter cracks in his hind oh, feet the and the, it was the spontaneous kind where one day there's a, a vertical line on their hoof and the next day uh-huh. it pops open and it bleeds really serious okay that sucker healed up within a week okay and all you do is just Put it on there, rub it in with your finger, done once a day. And it literally makes their feet grow faster. Uh-huh. Great
6: Yeah, stuff. you know, like poor Apollo, he's just, ro- he's turned out. He's roaming around on the property. And he's still got chunks coming out of the quarters of his yeah. feet. And I'm checking him. They're, you know, they're balanced. I'm checking his angles well, and they- blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. and chief, I can take him. I can ride him five days a week over the rocks barefoot. Yeah, nothing Uh, his feet might look more polished in fact the more he gets worked over rocks but uh you know and then you put the boots on him and he moves so much nicer because he's comfortable Mm -hmm. so um you you know I want to get him to the point where if I do want to hop on him and take him out for just a four mile kind of an easy ride I don't have to put four boots on him yeah you know fortunately he's really good uh, about getting the boots on and off which is nice but you you know it's just not I realize how spoiled I've
1: been well yeah yeah and it's it's a long slow process because it's a year until you get to the hoof that you started feeding right Uh another another product that is that my farrier has had excellent results with for horses who are transitioning and you're trying to give that soul as much support as you can. Um, it's a product called hoof armor and there are several products out there called hoof armor. Right. And this right. is, the, this is one that comes in a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a caulking gun. It's a caulking gun and you put just a very, very thin layer. When you put it on, it looks a little bit like you put clear nail polish on the bottom, but it's made for the sole. And again, it's just made to support that sole and give it a thin layer so that it's protected from the bumps and bruises and pokes. And she said she's been very happy with the results she's had with that. She does a lot of, um, remedial horses. She works, she does volunteer work for a.
6: I tried Rescue. it years ago, but I was using it on horses that were tough footed. So I so couldn't didn't see a difference, difference, right? See, so, okay, so I looked up Togro. It says it's a copper peptide complex that works on a cellular level to direct blood flow and collagen production to cell damaged feet.
1: That's the one I use. Yep.
6: And so, so yeah, I think the Caratex, carrot, Karate, whatever, however, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it right or how it's spelled, but I ordered some of that and it's supposed to help with the collagen yeah. as well. And so the, and the Duracell does seem to help toughen up the soul. Yeah. So See, I didn't
1: have any okay. luck with the Duracell with Nigel because his soles are rock hard. They're thin. Okay. But they are literally rock hard. Uh-huh. She has to sharpen her knife to trim uh-huh. anything out of his sole. But they're okay. so thin and completely flat. So what he needed was protection versus right. toughening. Cause a right. lot of thoroughbreds, the, the cellular makeup is not particularly resilient and that, that toughening process. I had a, had a number of thoroughbreds over the years that every time they would go through a shoeing cycle, we would always put the Dura on for, uh, Three to five days after every shoeing cycle, because uh-huh. the sole would want some toughening. So it's just a case of get to know your horse and see which one's going to work for him. Because Durasol is the most common by far,
6: right? Right. And so it, the Toe Grow comes in a spray. I use, comes in a. I use the little a,
1: squirty just gel squirty little bottle. squirty
6: bottle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, gee, there's something else I can buy for the there new horse. There
1: you go. I I. <laughs> The way it worked <laughs> on those quarter cracks, I was going, dang. And the other day he tread upon himself. Oh, cool. Treading is when a horse steps on its own cornet. It's called treading or caulking.
6: Okay. He okay. caulked himself,
1: which is what you typically call it on the back feet. He's freaking barefoot. How do you caulk <laughs> yourself when you're freaking barefoot? But he did. He took one heel. He stepped on the inside quarter of his other foot and shredded did his cornet.
6: Did he see a goat? <laughs>
1: he, maybe. He's just such a freaking ah! klutz. But I started putting that stuff on. He did it Thursday of last week. The torn coronet and the top layer of the coronet was completely torn off, down to the next layer. Completely grown out already. Oh boy, In a week. Oh, good. Completely grown out. So, um, handy dandy stuff. But that, that, that's interesting how... But, it, but the good part is you've got boots that fit his feet. So that when he mm-hmm. is working, he can stay completely sound on those feet. Because I think a lot of people, when they're talking about transitioning their horse to being barefoot or anytime they have a horse that is sensitive in his feet to different terrains, they do not put enough value on the fact that the horse might be just a little bit gimpy. Oh, he's just a little bit gimpy. Well, he's constant. Right. he's standing on his feet constantly, so okay, you're wearing a pair of shoes that really aren't 100% comfortable. They're a little snug. But you have to stand for 14 hours a day in those. You're going to compensate. You know, sure. just, just because they're not I, lame yeah, doesn't mean they're, exactly. they're not compensating and causing themselves issues. So, good on you! Except, Yay!
6: And you, yeah, you got to understand it's going to take months for the hoof to grow out. He does have some, you know, ripples or I call them like fever lines, yep, you know, that rings, they get yeah. like, yeah, like from vaccinations or weather or feed changes or Mm -hmm. whatever. So he's got those to grow out. He's got a couple of white feet or striped feet. And of course, you know, those are the always the ones where you can see any bruising on, you know, whereas if they're black, you can't see it. It's harder to see. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's harder to see. But the white feet, you're like, oh, look, he's got some bruising going on that's been in there. So, you know, I don't want to contribute to that and make it any worse so yeah. yeah whenever he's getting worked like now if I lunge him I take him into the corner that I've got that's mostly sand
1: or soft. Um, yeah. it doesn't you know
6: and combine. I don't want to you know like chief I can run him around over rocks over gravel oh over you're just disgusting metal. I hate you <laughs> I know and he just he's like do 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 everything's fine of course he's been barefoot most of his life and he's 25 so you know and he he came with really good feet to start with you know, some so, of them some it, of them win the genetic lottery really exactly yeah exactly and uh apollo didn't <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you know you you're, you're you're doing all the right things and you also understand the value of patience
6: exactly yeah it's gonna take a while and we got to like i showed you in my list of all the stuff we've been working on you know the trailer loading the letting him be tied to the trailer while he learns
1: how to eat and drink. Um, You know, that's something I need to practice more of. It's just tie him, just Uh sitting here in the yard, tie him to the horse trailer and just let him stand there. Because he eats at the trailer, but it's really, really, really hard to get him to drink anything when he's tied up. And I never do that. I never tie him to the horse trailer at home. I need to do that. Thank Uh you for the reminder. Yeah,
6: and and work him first. So then maybe he has a reason to want to drink. Mm-hmm. I did that yesterday with Apollo. We, you know, early in the morning, I went out there and got his breakfast ready and I tacked him up and let him eat his breakfast with his tack on. Oh, that's a good idea. Right. Because we're doing the mix and match thing where he's, he's just, you know, I've collected like wool saddle pads, like for decades, I have every kind of wool saddle pad that there is. And this horse has decided he doesn't like wool on well, his back.
1: There you go. So, so now I am mixing and matching. I'm trying all these different things. You know what I do, and this is this is silly. I don't do it because Nigel has a, doesn't like wool, but I have a wool back saddle pad. Um, I I love it, but I uh-huh. always use an under pad, so the wool doesn't actually touch his skin. That's what I was trying yesterday. Yeah, and I have a wide assortment. And the the thing I like the most is I use um, what do they call them? Saddle cloths that they make for horse, horse race horses. Okay, and they're like not they're really really cheap and they're big enough so that they cover the entire saddle pad versus leaving a little bits sticking out. So I have uh, an assortment of saddle cloths that I bought cheap at some place online. Um, okay, and they're okay. they're easy to come by, cheap, and easy to wash versus baby pads that they make for regular right. riding. They're too small. They don't come the whole way down on each side, and what I end up with is my uh-huh. my outrageously expensive wool saddle pad ends up with stains around the edges because the okay. under pad isn't big enough. And that makes it yeah, crazy. See, we,
6: yeah. We have a, we have a bed going here that no matter, you know, whatever it is, Apollo ends up with, it's guaranteed to be one of the most expensive pads on the market.
1: Of course. of course, <laughs> And boy,
6: they, they are expensive.
1: Yeah. You take good of care of your pads. saddle pads. Take
6: good care of them. They, they are. And I mean, it's not like I don't have a whole collection already. Uh, you know, he, he's the first horse that I've ever had that didn't do good in a wool pad. They, didn't and, funny. and, and, and so we've been experimenting between the different girths, not just different girths, but different sizes, Yeah. you know, cause he started turning around and chewing on the girth straps.
1: Well, that's not good.
6: <laughs> well, I'm riding him. That's not
1: good. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I,
6: I got my leg out of the way. So he didn't bite me or anything. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he would have, y- you know, uh, and so then, you know, clearly later on, he started biting and chewing on his pad, actual pad. And so, so obviously that's
1: what was bothering him. It was the saddle pad.
6: Exactly. That's so really I've been switching the different girths, different sizes, different pads, different saddles, you know, rearranging, doing the under pad,
1: trying different things with them. I oh, just thought of that thoroughbred thing. Uh-huh. The vast majority of horses that I've had over the years that were either mine or that I worked with. We're thoroughbreds. Um, Think about what detergent you use.
6: Um, I usually don't use any detergent. Ah, so you're really on it. I run it through the wash multiple times, you, you know, and then the do an extra rinse.
1: Good for you. you don't use because that's surgeon. a common one. Is some horses will react she to doesn't. residues, per, particularly like perfumes and stuff in it, saddle pads. But if you don't use sen- any, that's that's not. And a you're horse.
6: onto something be- because initially I thought, well, maybe he's sensitive because I have been fly spraying the heck out of him because he's really. Sensitive to the flies. Yeah. And so I, you know, he's been wearing a fly mask. I've been putting SWAT on him. I've been fly spraying him. And I thought, well, you know, maybe part of it is when he got hot and sweaty, he's just sensitive and irritated from all the fly spray. So after that, I started taking a damp sponge and making sure I wiped down everything where the tack went before I tacked him up.
1: Okay. And it did.
6: Didn't make any difference.
1: Didn't make any difference. <laughs> and and we're going to close this conversation here. Um, the word ulcer. Just leave that in the back of your head, and we'll drop it there. Oh
6: right. Well, <laughs> you know he hasn't really done anything for like uh, five
1: years. But once they get them. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep that but in the back of your head. See,
6: here's here's the thing. I can tack them up without him being tied up. He's not girthy or cinchy. He stands still. He's not nervous. He's fair. You know, he's eat, he's a really good eater. He's been gaining weight Yay. really well. Like I said, um, I'm so just going
1: to so leave it in the back of your head.
6: Because, yeah, because
1: that's what we do as horse people. That word comes forward right. all of the time. Oh, sure.
6: No, and, I, <laughs> and I had considered that. And I, you know, he's getting his daily gold every day, two times a day with his wet mashes. He's getting fed four mashes can a day I, can i
1: be your horse pay?
6: and he gets to graze you know um so i i don't you know i don't think it's an ulcer related thing but i mean like you said you can't just rule it out because it's always it. a, horse. It's a horse it's a horse that can have anything any number of things wrong at once That's
1: right. well we're gonna leave it there thanks for thanks okay. for sticking around auditors and i can't wait to hear more next month
6: right hopefully we'll have our musical uh tax assortment thing sorted out
1: cool we'll see ya
6: <laughs> see ya thanks jen